By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes. And then three times a week, we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. So today's episode is all about Bo Burnham's 2018 American coming-of-age comedy, uh, Eighth Grade. Um, I'm a little hesitant to call it a straight-up comedy, because it's not necessarily a funny watch. Um, it's very... It's definitely a black comedy. Um, it's not a drama, but it, it has a lot of sort of emotional consequences. It's a really... Um, traumatizing movie in a lot of ways um it will take you right back to um eighth grade and even if it doesn't um just watching what this young girl goes through is uh really quite moving and there's some parts that are funny but then they're sort of darkly funny and that you catch yourself you realize that you're maybe laughing at her more than you should and then you become complicit and um that's sort of part of the experience so you know comedy with an asterisk maybe um would be the best way to describe eighth grade which is a really remarkable movie if you haven't seen it i highly recommend it um again warning before you go in it's not the easiest thing um, I think Bo Burnham is a really special creature to prepare for this movie. I rewatched his two specials that he has on Netflix, um, his stand-up specials, although even even that stand-up sort of comes with an asterisk as well. He's more of a, almost a performance artist. Um, he's brilliant. I think he's amazing. And his uh, in, remarkable insight in both the writing and directing of this film um, has an incredible deep empathy, uh, especially because he's got this female protagonist who's from a different generation than him, and yet it feels so truthful. Um, so it's a really remarkable film. Um, if you happen to be a young woman who, I guess, 2018 is two years ago, so about 15 now, 16 now, um, let us know. Uh, uh, find us on Twitter at my end world, my ENT world. Cause I'd love to know. I've never heard the perspective of someone who is actually the exact demographic of this movie. Obviously everyone talking on this call is a little bit older than that. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued by it to see if, if the level of empathy, empathy and um, insight that we see in this film is actually, if it translates to uh, the correct age group. Certainly, um, watching this film as someone who is around Bo Burnham's age, um, but was obviously a young woman, um, it feels 
remarkably truthful. Um, interestingly, everyone on this call, uh, we are all within two years of each other. We all went to high school together. So we kind of remember each other at this age, which is sort of a very interesting dynamic to have going into this call. Uh, it was a, a smaller call, um, and we're all good, good friends. So it has a little bit less formality to it. Not that this is the most formal series to begin with, um, but this particular call had um, a lot of just sort of palling around. Um, we get into it. We discuss whether or not it is a comedy at sort of at great lengths. Um, and we do talk about the film quite a bit, but uh, it, it's a little loosey-goosey compared to some of our other episodes. And that comes from just, it is uh, just four people who have been friends for ages uh, chatting about this movie. Um, though I think the fact that we did know each other at this age, uh, it does inform it in some way. Uh, so on this call is obviously myself, Kelly Bedard, and then my friends, Tessa Chernick, David Armstrong, and Duncan Derry. Um, so as usual, you know, follow um, on, at my end world, my ENT world, and um, check out the website, myentertainmentworld.ca, subscribe on iTunes, and that's all you need to know. Enjoy, guys. I did like prep for this episode because I was doing a paint by numbers, and I just sat in my kitchen with Netflix sort of beyond the canvas and put on and watched two Bo Burnham specials and eighth grade in a row. And, and I gotta he, say the paint by numbers is coming along nicely. He direct, he directs his own specials too, or at least has in the recent past. So yeah, yeah. well, because he's yeah. he's very much like a an auteur kind of fella. Yeah. I feel like I can say with this group of people, he kind of reminds me of James Graham. <laughs> Am I supposed to edit that? I started the recording. Should we Should we not? Um, why? I don't think that's insulting. I think that's... Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I think it's a compliment maybe to James. Like, why, yeah. but why? Is it just because he's like a tall, skinny guy? Something about... I don't know. Maybe there's something... I don't know. Something about his face just reminds me of him. Or maybe mm. he reminds me of someone who reminds... Maybe it's a two degree of separation something, but maybe... Does James Graham look like um, the evil king in Game of Thrones, the boy king? No. no. James no. King has brown hair. James Graham has brown hair. It's not that. It's like, I mean, the facial, the... I don't know. I don't know. No. This part, I'm like trying to picture his face now. No, because oh, I feel like he's wait, like... which boy king are we talking about here? Joffrey, Joffrey right? Joffrey. Joffrey. Oh, no. no he no. doesn't look anything like Joffrey. I don't know. Oh. I, I always, I, those three people, to me, all kind of look similar. Bo Burnham, Joffrey, and James Graham? Oh, yes. <laughs> Bo Burnham definitely looks like jo- Joffrey. Yes. Put, put the two pictures next to each other. Can you add right the pictures now. to this? Can you add this? their picture to this thing <laughs> yeah we'll have the three of them also yes. sitting with us and see what happens um you'll reach similar conclusions i don't i don't know i don't know every time i see bo burnham he does have that like he reminds me of somebody but i can't quite pinpoint it maybe yeah. like he kind it's- of reminds me a little bit of um tessa of do you remember henrik farley Lynn's little brother, who's a comedian. Oh, yeah. He's got like a little bit of a Henrik vibe, or maybe Henrik has a little bit of a Bo vibe, but that could be That's just nice. me being That's like nice conflating guy. my 20 something white comedian men. Henrik Farley is an amazing name. <laughs> He's yeah. Norwegian. His face is also mm. amazing. Yeah. He looks, he looks like a Norwegian prince. Norwegian prince. Don't, don't you think he looks I think, like. See, I think a he looks like. Character. I think he looks like Lynn but with boy face. So mm. I can't, I don't know. I mean, I but guess he, like, yeah, he looks like very royalty. Scandinavian. 
what we're learning, we all have our weird face blindness. With <laughs> we apparently white, do. Beautiful white men. Just so. white people blindness. Yeah. Like, um, Tessa is absolutely convinced that Emily Van Camp and Katie Holmes look alike, which they do they not. Do. They, they do. don't. Who's Emily Van No. Yeah. She was on Everwood and, and Revenge and The Resident. <laughs> those are, those okay. are very different people. We need to watch more TV. I am no, surprised David there. knows who Emily Van Camp is. I think that's interesting. Um, but the also the recording of our best friend's wedding podcast starts with like 10 minutes of me going, what? You watched this movie? What? <laughs> really? David, David surprises, always. Always, always. Didn't you guys go together to see um, Magic Mike XXL? Yeah. What, what, that, that, that was, a, that, that was a, a double bill with, um, with Entourage, the movie. Ew. Oh, why? Oh, that ruined it. I was giving yeah. you so much credit and now you've taken it all away. <laughs> no, it was, it was both ends of the spectrum. That's terrible. That's terrible. Um, we went to see uh, 50 shades of gray together. It was very boring. You and yes. David. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forget how that came about. I, I think we would just it needed to happen. And, you know. was... um, no, I actually have a pretty clear memory of David texting me, asking me if I want to see that movie. So, <laughs> Like, no, thank you. I think you were the second choice, Kelly. Okay, I am fine with being a second choice. It was that was a situation where we were we were doing something else, and then we decided to go to a movie, sort of like after the other thing, and it was playing sort of soonish, and it was between that and something else. Neither of us were that enthused about, and Dave was surprisingly enthused about seeing Fifty Shades because I think it's like a phenomenon thing that he has to see everything that's like people are talking about. And so yeah. uh, we saw that it was boring. It was mostly contract negotiations, frankly. It was like yeah. not, not an interesting, <laughs> but the woman behind us was very interested. And in the part at the end where like he says something to her and she's, and I don't know, it's like a cliffhanger. The woman behind us just goes, say yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. She's like she's really, really in the story. She was like really invested. She really, really, really yeah. wanted her to say yes. I've seen so. all three of those movies. And I, I get the sense <laughs> that the first one, is the better one of the three. I've, I have not seen the other two because the first one was so boring that I was like, these did David? not earn my repeat <laughs> viewership. Did you see them I've all? Seen, no, I've seen the first and the third. Why? And uh, <laughs> had to see how the, the, <laughs> the third, the, I think the third was just the moment of weakness. I remember I saw a clip, the part of the third where someone got kidnapped and she's tied up and it's Rita Ora. And she's wearing a, an Adidas shirt because Adidas sponsors her. So her, as a kidnapped victim, she was like wearing sponsored material in the movie. And to me, why? Wait, Rita Ora got I kidnapped. Did. Why yeah. does that movie have kidnapping in it? Isn't it just about BDSM? Well, escalation. I don't Yeah, I don't understand. I didn't get the. This plot. is on your podcast. This is the content we're going for, right? <laughs> just hey, just by, hey. By, by the end of it, not, we haven't even got to the judging, film yet. Not judging. Yeah. So much <laughs> criticism coming from the uninvited. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is safe. I haven't seen any of these movies. I'm just bored. I haven't. I haven't decided at all where I'm going to start the. Uh, I'm just recording, and then I'm going to start it wherever I want. Oh, good. This is just for us, then. Right. Yes, <laughs> it's just for us. But if I or, decide to include it, um, we got it. Because so many people will listen. 
We might have to change the name of the podcast. It's a good, it's a good way to uh, test though, to see who's listening. Um, Because like you can just say certain things and if there's no blowback. Insult as many people as we can. Like to get on the, to get on the topic of eighth eighth grade, my main, my main thing I always want to say about this movie every time I watch it is I'm overwhelmed by the reality that I told my father to watch it and he never did. Which, Wait. like, thematically speaking. Yeah. <laughs> every, every, every time you watch it. So you've seen this multiple times. I have seen it, well, maybe not every time. I've seen it at least twice, if not three times, including last night. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave tried to start talking about it before the rest of you got here. And his well, question was, is this the sort of movie people saw and are revisiting? Or is this something people watched on assignment for Corona Movie Club? Please respond. Um, David, for me, can answer that question. So you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I saw it with Duncan and, uh, and oh, Tessa, you. Tessa's I saw it and never thought I would ever want to watch it ever again. So I'm rewatching for Corona Club. But, Not that but, I don't like it. It's just too, it, it's an, a very uncomfortable watch for me. I don't, yeah. I, I'm very happy I saw it. I think it's a great movie that's out there. I never want to watch it ever again. I agree with that. I I am 30 years old and I was watching this just being like, no, I, I don't just like relate in retrospect. I relate to this movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just the scrolling alone was like, Oof. oh, I know. But we, but, but we laughed a lot the first time we watched it. Uh, yeah. Well, that, <laughs> this is maybe the part you edit out, but like that's because we were in a different state of mind when we watched it. Oh wow, that is a disrespectful way to watch. I know eighth grade. I know. I think it was. I was like, this movie is supposed to be funny. Let's do it. No, it's not supposed to be funny. Very very upsetting. For the first five or ten minutes, this time as well, I found I was laughing. Like her first opening monologue. It's that, but it's very funny. Like she performed performed well. It's if so, you laugh and, and, in this and, movie, it's because you're laughing at her, Duncan Dairy, you mean I'm creature. When, when, when she's sitting oh. at a table with Gabe, come on. That. With the nuggets? Very yeah. sweet. That's it's very not sweet. funny. There are bro. some funny moments when she's sitting with her dad, and it's yes. funny because yes. <laughs> that's a funny scene. Yeah. That is and, funny because she's just it, really mean to him. Yeah, but when they're burning the box, and he's like, "This is this is a good thing, right?" That was hilarious to you. Yeah, that's that, like a that's a heartbreaking scene. It's a heartbreaking scene. To frame the conversation is, I think we probably all found different things funny and or horrible to watch. It's yeah. not a funny movie. I feel like I, I'm friends with bullies now, and I'm like really worried. I didn't think this was Every, a funny movie either. It's not a funny movie, and I'm like really genuinely concerned about the fact that no, you found no, it funny. No, like no, you're no, supposed no, to be people I trust. <laughs> I never said you should do that, but it's no, it's it's awful and terrible. But there are parts that are like darkly very funny. Like everything to do with her crush, that kid, is horribly funny. It's horribly funny. And it's not oh, the Weirdly, and this is really dark, but the, the, the line that I laugh at the most in eighth grade is when they're under the desks and she oh, says, no. and he says, I wish this would happen for real. And without even thinking, she goes, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? But why? <laughs> no, all those all those things where she's like, yeah, yeah, no, totally. What? Yeah. Yeah, you'd fuck him up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> or like when she stands up in the light. Tiny arms. Like, 
I give a really good those, but those, those, uh, those scenes where you have those Aiden montages just get me every time. The what Aiden montages? Yeah, when 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 that music comes on and he's like walking in slow. Oh, you learned the kid's name. Okay, it's Aiden. I see. Um, I didn't know his name. Um, I do like, yeah, I like that he has theme music. I like that he always walks in slow motion. I like his introduction when they're like, Mr. and Mrs. Best Eyes, and it's just like zooms in on his yeah. eye. <laughs> also that, like, he's clearly disgusting, like a disgusting <laughs> way. And, like, I totally understood like, why, like, in middle school, yeah, though, he would have been the guy. Like, with those skinny little arms and that floppy hair, that was, like, a thing. <laughs> That was like, like in, in, in elementary school, there was like one boy in class who, whether he was the cutest or not, he was not the cutest. There was like a consensus boy you liked and everybody liked the same boy because that way at sleepovers, when you inevitably got the truth or dare question, always pick truth. Um, and we learned in this movie, well, you always, always pick truth, pick truth. always pick truth. Um, but when you get the question, who do you have a crush on? That way you can all just say Matt and you can all move on because you all agreed on this one kid who like was sort of just like the acceptable kid. Yes, his name was Matt. Yeah, yeah. No, I believe it. I, yeah. yeah. But it made me also like, and that's another question in general, is A, it's made by, the movie's made by, by a very young person, but still a different generation from what he's depicting. And like, how, like what do 13-year-olds actually think of the movie? Because we're all like, that's so accurate, but we're actually not 13 now. Yeah. I know. And how many 13 year olds will actually watch this movie? Because really it's not necessarily appropriate for 13 year olds. Mm. Well, this wasn't actually a whole thing when they, they gave it too high of a rating and mm-hmm. it was like a controversy because it was really important to Bo Burnham that eighth graders be able to see it. And so um, it was rated too high. And I forget if they were able to change the rating or not, but one of the things he did to like combat that, Mm-hmm. Was he rented out theaters, like multiple theaters, and um, hosted them for free? Because if you're not buying a ticket, there's no age restriction. Yeah. Yeah. So he just like host invited a bunch of eighth graders. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. I think unless I, I made that story I think, up. I don't think I made that story up. I feel like I read that. <laughs> I think it was a Twitter. Right. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worried about like if I had a 14 or 15 year old if they saw that movie. I think. It's one no. of those movies that you would see when you were 14 and 15. You were like, oh, wow. Like, it would be an important movie for you, but you could handle it, I think. I think so, yeah. I don't There's know. Nothing. I feel like if I had watched that when I was 13, I would have been just so upset. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so upsetting to watch now. It makes me so anxious now. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Well, and I wondered to go back to Duncan's point a little bit. The thing that stands out to me the most about this movie is the, like, reality of who made it and the disconnect between what my best guess is that it it feels really accurate and it certainly feels accurate to like the female experience so I can't speak generationally but certainly I can speak as like a woman and then like he's not he's a straight white boy who's a good what is he he's like 29 so he's like 16 years too old to have made this movie how like the, the incredible empathy in just what? creating this film is insane to me. And then we can, we can get into the conversation of like who tells whose stories, but like, I think it's incredible anytime someone's able to do step outside themselves so completely. Yeah. Um, well, he, he, he's, I mean, he started his career, right? Like on a keyboard in uh, on YouTube in his like teens. I don't, I forget how old, old he was exactly, but like he was definitely like a weird 
Like it was definitely a, a weird way to kind of break into things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I yeah, feel like he's coming from experience a little bit that way. Very well, he's definitely like he was like a weird kid for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and he is like he's got a little bit of that suspended, and he's just he's like two years young. Not even he's one year younger than me, but he's like somehow feels a different generation. Like Tessa, who is two years younger than me, feels the same generation as me. But because this guy's a YouTube star, he doesn't feel like he's the same generation as me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like he feels somehow younger than he actually is. Yeah. Because well, he was came up through a medium that most of us didn't use to learn about people when we were teenagers or and, university even. Yeah. Can you imagine I, posting your own videos and not getting any views? It would have been horrible. I completely understand that. I mean, I'm someone who has a channel that like, you know, I started a thing to express, put my thoughts into the world and nobody reads it. Like, that's why I'm sort of so freewheeling about like the chat going in all directions on this. Cause like, eh, who's really going to listen? It's fine. But I'm sort of, I took it the other way from the, with the self-confidence thing where I was like, oh, it just means low, it's low stakes that no one's listening. But she's doing it in such a curated way. Like when she starts yeah. talking, you think, oh, she must, I guess, have like a huge audience because it's so like, to my followers, here's what you need to do to do this. And like, no one, it's not, it isn't personal. It's so. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I love about her, like the, the videos that she does is that, and even sometimes when she just talks to other people, but mostly in video format, she doesn't say anything. Like everything goes in circles and she, nothing has any actual content. She'll be like, who it's important to be yourself because it's important. Yeah. Like it's sort of like nothing, there's no actual meat there at all. And then um, there's something like the weird disconnect between like, she's just so normal and like, there's nothing remarkable about this kid. And then, and like, that's her problem. Like with her, like she feels bad about herself because she's just like, there's nothing good about me, but it's not, there's nothing good, but there's nothing bad. Like she's just normal. And then her dad's like, you're the coolest person in the world. Like, it's just this, I don't know. There's like a, a very mundane humanity to it that I find really remarkable. And then the kid at the end, who's like, you're so smart about stuff. I'm like, no, she's not, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I was like this time watching, I was like, again glad that she's making this friend but you're also like oh i don't know how this kid's gonna turn out (laughs) (laughs) oh i like totally know that kid too the way he talks with his hands i'm just like oh boy but like i felt like is she just gonna be trapped in this (laughs) person through high school i love when they check in to see how they're both doing it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was nice that was nice um, what did you think of the dad? Did you think he was cool, or like a good, like a? I think he was trying. Like it's, yeah. I think he was good. I think he was doing a good job. Yeah. For what was going on? Yeah. He was not doing a bad job. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't making things worse. No. Yeah, I think he was a really good dad. Well, I, I think, think he's he trying really hard. I, he was endearing this time maybe i was in a bad mood i was i was like i felt he was almost too naive like he was trying to be cool but it like in the scene with the banana which is an awful thing i don't know like it's not like he, it's not like he should have known what was happening but like you're just screaming at him less more than her like just recognize what's happening and stop asking about this banana and, 
like <laughs> move. Also, he kept coming to her bedroom with his shirt off. Yeah, that bothered me. Well. Okay, couple things. I totally bought both of those things, though. Like, I just feel like he's such a very... He's not just, like, a good dad in the sort of generic great dad from movies way. He's, like, he's so specific. Like, coming to... with the Like, when he's just about to go to bed, he doesn't wear a shirt to bed, and it's, like, kind of gross, but it's, like, yeah, no. I feel like that's a very dad thing to do. And the banana, especially because she's only third... Well, she's, I guess, probably four... Oh, no, she might be 13, depending on when her birthday is. But yeah. she's, like, she's only 13. So I feel like from his point of view, the idea of oral sex is, like, so not in his head at all that he would never, it would, like, it would never occur to him that yeah. that's what she was doing. And so he's just, like, genuinely, like, stop changing your mind about groceries. I'm trying to learn what you like, and you yeah, keep changing yeah. your mind. Yeah. Um, she also, like, come on, you could have just pretended that you read an article about potassium. Come on, rookie. Like, come on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's plausible. <laughs> come on, 13-year-olds. <laughs> Get it together. Well, there's some things that she, I think she handled, like, the thing in the car, when I, I watched it again this time, and I was like, I think she handled that incredibly well. Like, obviously, she did a lot of, like, things that are really immature, like, internalizing it and making it, and, like, apologizing and all that kind of stuff. But, like, when shit hit the fan, that girl put her foot down and made him stop. And, like, that is unbelievably impressive. So she has, like, some, uh, like, her head on straight and, like, a sense of self and stuff like that that I think when it really comes down to it, um, that a lot of girls wouldn't have been able to do that. And I think that scene is incredibly impressive. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, I was happy to know that scene was coming this time because that last time that was like... Me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's stressful, especially was any... I forget who was on the call for Edge of 17. Were you guys here for Edge of 17? No. Okay, so there's a a very similar like unwanted car advances scene in Edge of 17. That's just... It plays totally differently. And since none of you were here, never mind. We can't really talk about it. Um, but it, it's sort of an interesting comparison because that is such a trope of the genre, the like car thing. Well, I think it's very real. Yeah. But also the way she kept like apologizing as he's driving her back. Yep. And she says, don't tell Olivia. And you know, she's never going to be friends with Olivia ever again. No. And like, I don't know. But how did you guys feel? I was wondering this. So, about Olivia in that scene, right? Like she obviously shouldn't have left her. She should have insisted that he drive her home first. Yeah. But from Olivia's point of view, this is literally one of her very good friends. Like she has no reason not to like, like I know like he's, he's four years older than her and that's creepy, but like in her head, there's no, like her best friend is just as reliable as she is. I don't think it's occurred to her. Yeah. Or, or I, I, I just wouldn't imagine that he would do that with her. Yeah, exactly. I would trust my best friends to drive my like like mentee home in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like obviously. Yeah. And this time, like again, I think maybe the first time we watched it, I thought that the the Olivia is so nice. I'm almost like, what's going on? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. This time it was I because I know that nothing explicitly bad happens with Olivia. It was like I guess she's just very perky. But there was something <laughs> where you could almost when it's just the three of them in the car and you already know something bad is probably going to happen. You kind of think like, is Olivia like or like an indoctrinating person in a weird way? But I don't <laughs> think that's actually the case. But you can get those vibes a little bit. 
And yeah. I didn't quite know what to make of Olivia. What do you guys think? <laughs> Sorry. I'm looking at the other side of the camera. I know it's a, an audio medium. Dave, you never speak. Speak. <laughs> uh, what, I, I, yeah, I, I thought she was nice. I mean, I, I think I think that she was dealing with her own things in that. Like she, in her own friend group, she kind of had, like, like she was trying to make her own way. So, so when she was getting out of the car, I, I almost felt like, on one hand, yes, I think she's naive to it. But on the other hand, I, I think that she's also kind of divorced from the fact that, like, she's in high school now. So it's like if she says that something's fine, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's not, she's not going to go one step further and be like, well, okay, well, I'm going to protect you here. She's, she's going to introduce you to things, but she's not going to, you know, show you how to do them. No. And it does, yeah. And I think it just, she doesn't think that thing was going to happen. Yeah. But it's, uh, it is such a, I think such a well done, horrible scene. It is horrible because I was so torn because it is irresponsible to leave the girl with anyone but yourself. Like she was in charge of the girl, but it's her friend. Like it's, I don't know. It's tricky. And I like the whole movie. I feel kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know about it, which I think it makes it a good movie, but you're right, Tessa. It's not a fun one to revisit. No, no, no. And, and also at the, at the end of that, you get the sense that, like he's also been rejected a bunch. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. Well, oh. otherwise, why is he going for a 13 year old? Yeah. Like it's definitely like, he's definitely in love with Olivia. Yeah. yeah. He's de- it, deeply insecure. Yeah. yeah. Or you think he's in and love the whole with starting him. off with like, you don't want your first hookup to be oh, you know, oh, at a party yeah. and you're like oh, inexperienced. Oh. I'm trying to do you a favor. Oh, that was, that was just Oh my god! Horrible. Yeah, no, he did it after it was like after, <laughs> it. and it's like all this rage. That's his way of expressing his rage and insecurity. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, brutal. Ooh, brutal. I, I have a question. What What did you guys think of the the music? That like very heavy, heavily integrated soundtrack. It was like really upfront. Other than Aiden's theme music, I didn't notice music ever. You didn't notice? I liked it. I was really happy with the music. I just don't, that's just not a, I just didn't notice. I, uh, it's definitely very heavy to me, but I, I think it sort of works because it in a weird way reflects, I don't know, it kind of reflects the, so much of the movie is about her engaging with this surface version of reality that she sees on her phone and what she feels she should be aspiring to. And the music is kind of like similarly kind of simplistic and like do 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 like bleep lorpy. But yeah. so I think if that works, it is kind of sometimes a little yeah, that's my technical thing. But I think it's sometimes almost too quirky, but for the most part I think it works. There's a piece of music I think this when she arrives at the pool party and it's like the horns that are going. Oh like, yeah, yeah. And I think that is a, a separate I remember I'd heard that music before. It's like a separate piece of music written by I can't remember her name. I'll look it up. But she's like a kind of renowned contemporary electronic musician. Mm. Uh, so I thought it was interesting that that was like specific, it's like this specific epic electronic work. And they chose it for like this swimming pool, like awkward scene. That like montage of the horrors awful, of the awful. swimming party. Oh my God. With the kid yeah, flipping his eyelids up. And that's the, st- the thing that I always remember. But like that whole montage. And the discomfort of- a bit of like, and that they must have felt in making it like filming these 13 year olds. It's uh, that, that was like that. I think they must've done it very carefully and they chose what they were going to do, but it's like both making yeah. it realistic to people who've experienced that, 
but also like not being really weirdly weird. Yeah. Well, that's also one of the real tricks of this movie is that like he totally completely captures this sort of like, this is so weird, but like the sexual inner life of a 13 year old girl and like what that looks specifically in the, the way Aiden is shot, the, what that looks like is so weird because like he's this like 30 year old man who's like having to shoot the like this perspective on this 13 year old boy but he's so trying to speak from the point of view of the girl and like that is what happens like these someone like it's like they're in slow motion in your head they have you know theme music and yeah like what what? go 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 David, uh, when you get these crescendos and then all of a sudden Aiden shows up and she's sitting apart from everybody and he's like, hey, we're all over there. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm about to go in there. I'm about to go. I think to that point, it's it's like it was just surprising to me how uh, how unapologetically the, the, the film did not care about filmmaking at all. Like it was just a character piece um, that was like very moody and it didn't, it did not like as a first time filmmaker, he didn't really care that much about the cinematography. It was really very just at a point and shoot. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think there's just different types of filmmaking. And this is something that I talked a lot about um, around the Oscars. And it's interesting. This is a male filmmaker because it's something you see with female directors all the time who never get, acknowledged and this is my whole thing about Greta Gerwig and Little Women that movie is some of the best directing I've ever seen on a human level like the interactions between the people the the sort of theater directing that happened of the scenes in Little Women was incredible but she didn't use a lot of like fancy camera angles and so it didn't sort of count as filmmaking but like I think this is an incredibly well-directed movie and I think he's so specific about where he places the camera and where he wants our attention to be and all that kind of stuff. Like the way he shoots it is super, super intentional, but it is specifically to serve story and character. And that's first and foremost. Um, And he would, you know, I'm sure subscribe to the Rob Reiner school of, if you're looking at my shot, you're not watching my movie. But I think he very, very intentionally uses the camera to do to make us see and feel what he wants us to see and feel but it's not showy because i think showy would have been wrong for this yeah no i absolutely agree with that it's just a different Um, type of movie i agree i think and i think it's also there's like a sterility to it that looks bad sometimes Mm -hmm. it's underthought and but i think that is kind of i mean i think it's a very low budget movie so the cameras they have make things look like that but it does kind of serve the world of the movie because everything is very sterile the classrooms the rules are and even like when she's going to her new high school which is going to be so exciting you realize this looks exactly the same they're all in darkness watching these terrible videos as well and everyone's on their phone as well it's like kind of going to be more of the same yeah that's totally intentional as well though right like if you think back to i mean we had slightly different high school experiences but like think think about like tessa the rogers corridor is what i always think of where it's just this like bare it's like things are just kind of like tile and like I don't even know like black but it's just it was so boring looking like everything was just so sterile and and identical and unremarkable and um I do think sort of like um the difference between the friend's apartment and the Seinfeld apartment 
You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like friends is all because it's a fun sitcom. Like it's so colorful and bright to keep your attention. And so many movies, that's what they make high school look like. Um, You know, Buffy and 90210 share a high school because it's this fascinating looking high school, but then actual high schools are these just like square buildings full of nothing. And they all smell, they have that smell, you know, (laughs) sort of just like stale, sweaty student smell. Every kind of school has the exact same smell. Yeah. Yeah. That's like cleaning products and yeah. And chalk. The city had like nine apartments and like New York living. And then in girls, it's like, it's still kind of a nice, they all live in a nice socioeconomic situation, but their apartments are like, it's a totally different version of that city and that life. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how I feel about high like high schools and and things like that, and especially middle schools. Like, and I love the idea too of like the, them walking in and they have to um, put their hand on the person's shoulder and they're like on display in front of all the high schoolers. And but it's this like big exciting thing. But then the high school is just like there's yeah. just nothing to it. Um, also, I don't think I'd ever. I don't think a high school would ever give out a quietest person award. Do you? <laughs> Oh, for sure. But we had, it was a sort of superlative that you would give if you were giving everyone a superlative. Like every single well, we, person in the class. You wouldn't have something. given quietest. <laughs> that is, that's that's thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've been like best at reading. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I could see getting quiet. I mean, not me, obviously, um, but somebody else getting quietest. I could. That. You would be like her, like hoping you'd get most quietest, and then be like, <laughs> <laughs> "I I wake up every day being like Kelly, just talk a little less today, and you'll be okay." <laughs> no, but I'm always friends with the girl who would totally win quietest, and they hate it. They hate it so much. Like, don't call them quiet. Yeah, exactly. That's why we wouldn't have done it. We wouldn't have done it. I don't know. I should go get my most- my yearbooks like they're right behind one. me although our yearbooks were very they were like because everyone got one they were these like hyper specific very tailored they weren't voted on they weren't like every year there's like a set list and everybody votes it was like the a yearbook editors deciding from the very little information they know about each graduate just picking a thing so like i got most likely to start her own theater company because i had started a musical theater program when i was 15 and that was the one thing the yearbook editor knew about me hilariously shruti katari got most likely to perform at stratford in five inch heels which happened and she did five inch heels did she well just because in order her love interest was mike sharon in order to be able to reach him she had to have these like crazy heels i don't know that they were five inch but they were tall (laughs) um but yeah so they they were these hyper specific it wasn't like a voted on thing Um, we had that at our school. Did you? You didn't have superlatives at all. I don't. Think I think so. they were also removed from my yearbook. I don't really. Remember. Yeah, I don't. Well, I'll check. I'll check uh, later. Report back. Really? The O sevens definitely had them, and but they were all these like. I feel like if we'd had um, the voted on just like class clown funniest like like those are the same thing but like funniest person <laughs> cutest couple all that stuff. Not so much cutest couple, but funniest person. I know who that would have been, and she would have been annoyed by winning funniest person because that's like the one thing everyone knew about her was that she was funny. Um, same thing with quietest person. Like all of the people, like unless you win hottest, nobody wants like to be completely defined by the one thing all of their classmates already know about them. 
most people end up, even if it's a good thing, most people resent that quality. But people do, I guess, and that's why you would have an award for everyone. They do like it when they're recognized. And that's what she wanted was just- That's true. Something like, I know that you exist. Because <laughs> what she's yeah. doing is that no one knows she exists. Yeah. Well, that was the weird reality is that like it was one where only like six people won a superlative in her school, but she won the one thing she didn't want. Yeah. 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 But like, it's a weird thing because like people would have had to notice her and learn her name in order to vote for her for the most quiet, mm-hmm. which is odd. But at least she got recognized. Something I noticed on this one, and it was a small detail that didn't go anywhere and I may be wrong, but I feel like... um. The mom who invited her to the pool party of the popular girl, the mom of the popular girl, only invited her because she had a thing for her dad. Yes. I didn't notice that the first time. Oh, yes. Don't yeah. I didn't notice. Like, I, I, and then, like, the, the, she, when she gives her the present, she starts taking pictures of the present, presumably to send to the dad to show her, like, here's your dad. Like, I did not know. I, I didn't completely miss that. I thought that was such a good detail. Because it also it is emphasizes detail, that yeah. this is not just a yeah. third and eighth grade phenomenon. Everyone is doing this thing of manu- using this stuff to manufacture a kind of reality and try and get what they want. Yeah, and he raised like, up his phone, everyone listening online, <laughs> when he know. said this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right. I thought, you were talking, I thought you were talking to the CIA listening on my phone. <laughs> you tell them. <laughs> I didn't put it in my microwave this time. Yeah, but yeah. I was like that was an interesting detail that I didn't feel like was leaned on, but was like very well observed. But speaking speaking of the dad, I think like in general casting That's in this great. film was done very very well. Like I think everybody was just exactly who they were supposed to be. She was so good, and it's yeah, the kid was yeah, she was amazing. I especially liked that I didn't recognize anybody, even though Bob Burnham's one of those people who has like lots of famous friends and who could have easily had, you know. Lisa Kudrow play the teacher or whatever. And he didn't, he had, would have I think every, that. everyone was completely unknown. I think. I recognize uh, Olivia, I think because she was on the show transparent, which I watched. Who was she on transparent? It's, do you remember? I think it was whatever season that involved flashbacks to Germany in the lead up to. The- oh yeah. With um, Michaela, Michaela Watkins. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah. And she was the, the young grandma, I guess, who comes oh. over. And I had watched those two very close together, so I recognized her. But I think that's it. I think the dad is someone, but I don't... I feel like I recognize the dad, yeah. I don't know. But I don't know from what. Yeah, I definitely didn't recognize him. No. Oh, and also, like, I think the teacher... I've, I'd seen the teacher in... She's a comedian. I'd seen her around. I don't even remember the teacher. Am I forgetting the teacher? Am I mixing up? possible i'm conflating yep i'm conflating something else i watched never mind the edge of 17 no a death sitcom scratch that pretend i never said anything you never said fine i'm gonna win most quiet you have the power to cut that out most quiet she's not gonna cut it I'm sorry. If you, if I were to go through with like uh, pins and needles and pull out every like awkward silence or when someone says something wrong from all of the audio content I produce, I would never publish anything. Have you You put it into one really great super clip of awkward? There is, there is one, there's a podcast I did with my friend Andrew where um, we were talking about Star Wars 
And therefore we were talking about holograms and I thought that um, Ja Rule was dead and they hologrammed him into a concert he had recently done because I'd seen a headline saying Ja Rule appears at this concert, but I thought he was dead. So I thought it was like a Tupac thing. And I just fully claimed this in the middle of the Star Wars podcast and I just left it. But also, People make mistakes, I, whatever. <laughs> I don't need to, like, it's not that's a That's how we were getting started. No that's thing. how, uh, yeah, that's how we found out that Ja Rule died. <laughs> I thought, I thought he died, like, in the early 2000s, but no, I was wrong. Like, in a, like, like, killed or in a crash? Like, like, I thought, like, a plane was, I thought he was, like, on was that like, plane yeah. with Aaliyah, yeah. He was on the plane with Aaliyah? <laughs> Oh, didn't they know each other? See, this is the thing. Uh, none of my self-worth is in any way tied to my knowledge of Ja Rule. Oh, so. The headlines, Aaliyah dead, uh, also Ja Rule. They're both in the same <laughs> Because this was pre-Fire Festival, and I just, I sort of started to see his name in headline. I don't know, whatever, guys. Yeah, the point about- is, the point is, I, as a, a ja podcast Rule. listener, prefer people to just talk and let me see who they actually are and who I actually am is someone who claimed Ja Rule was a hologram. Don't worry about it. <laughs> was it the concert? Because he recently made a concert appearance for like a fundraiser and he was like everyone like who knows me and knows these lyrics like raise your hand and no one knew no one knew because people ja like you just weren't aware that Ja Rule was active. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, that was his hologram saying, like, raise your hands and no one cares about the hologram? <laughs> like, we shouldn't have invested in this hologram. That would have been really funny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, holograms are something you really have to only make holograms for people, like, the really, truly beloved. Better, better be a sure thing. <laughs> um, unrelated, but something that popped into my head just now. Uh-huh. Um, one of the, like, many things that she does that like she's trying to force herself to be confident and do and like put herself out there and then it never really works because that's not how the world actually works um is she sings karaoke at a party which blew my mind it was so impressive what song do we think she sang um, slash what song would you sing um oh that's too, well so it's got to be Freebird, right for sure oh my god you would sing Freebird, david or she sang Freebird. I think I think both. I think we're two two, two, two peas in a pod. Taylor Swift, obviously. Oh, I love her. What? Surprisingly, very hard though. I don't recommend it. She writes really high. It doesn't make sense. I know. This is why it would be bad. Yeah, she would do that. Yeah, that's the thing. You pick a Taylor Swift song because you think it's easy, and then you're screwed, and it sounds bad, and then you're embarrassed. I don't speak from experience. It'd probably have to be a song that she would have heard growing up, so it'd be something that was came out when we were like twenty three. Um, well, like some One Direction song, maybe, maybe the "You Don't Know You're Beautiful" song. Like, well, you know what it probably was? It was probably "Roar." Oh, uh, that's, that's what I think it was. That's a it's hard a hard song. song. It's a hard song. sound. That'd be tough. And she had to yeah. do that so many times. What is <laughs> what is your song, Kelly? Oh, my my best um, uh, karaoke songs are Queen songs um, mm. because uh, Freddie um, had a remarkable range which put him somewhere in the middle of female mezzo 
in his in his high notes, um, which works out beautifully for me. So he ends up hitting hitting a place that's very easy, surprisingly, uh-huh. um, for me. And but I get lots of cred for picking a cool Queen song. So okay. yeah, Gotta hear and that. I know them all really well. So you pick like a really fast one, like "Don't Stop Me Now," and it's like, yeah, I know all these lyrics. Yeah, my brother keeps playing. I'm living with my brother, and he keeps playing the last 20 minutes of Bohemian Rhapsody over and over and over again. I mean, it, it, those that's are a, there's that's a, that's a that's a thing though. The last yeah. 20 minutes are at least acceptable, right? Like if you have to watch Bohemian Rhapsody, just watch the concert part. That's I was on a flight to London last year, and you look at what everyone's watching, and it was either A Star Is Born or literally everyone picking Bohemian Rhapsody and then cutting to the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I was on a plane recently, could not tell you which plane because I've been on too many planes. Not recently, obviously, in the fall. And I was walking to the bathroom, and there were every single person was watching Spider-Man, but they weren't all watching the same Spider-Man. And there was a couple in front of me. So like some people were watching Avengers and some people were watching Amazing Spider-Man. Some people were watching like Far From Home or Homecoming or whatever. So like they had various people playing Spider-Man and then also Spider-Man in Avengers movies. And there was a couple in front of me where the woman was in the middle of Endgame and the man was watching Spider-Man Far From Home, which is just chock-a-block full of spoilers for Avengers Endgame. And I, anyway, I think they're divorced now. <laughs> it's just so inconsiderate. Like, it's just so, it's just so rude. I, think I, I couldn't handle it. Horse blinders on to make it work. It's amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield one. Yeah, yeah. On that same flight to London, the couple next to me, there's a movie with Margot Robbie and Robbie and Will Smith. That's is, that how you, is that how you say it? It's Robbie. Robbie. He's wrong. Robbie? No, it's Robbie. I've never heard Robbie in my life. I like Robbie. Is it one B or two Bs? Two Bs. It's Robbie. Robbie. Yeah. It's Robbie. Robbie. Robbie and Will Smith. And they're like spies. I don't know what this movie is. I think it's called like Focus or something. Yeah, nobody saw that. But well, I was aware of that, but both of them were watching it separately on there. And I thought that was endearing. Did they sync it up? No, no. One started it. The other was doing the Bohemian Rhapsody thing. And, I was oh. and then <laughs> and then, joined. And then he That's started. He, he must have been like, looks good. And so he started. That's a big thing on planes. Like yeah. where you walk by and you're like, man, and now I'm in the mood for Spider-Man. I think that's how you end up with everybody watching the same thing is because people see it on other people's screens. That's a whole thing. Have you guys seen Blades of Glory? You know, the movie with, no. oh, with, with, with Will Ferrell? Uh you know the part where they show the woman getting, you know, getting executed by accident? Yes. <laughs> no. They're, they're talking like the climax, by escape. The climax of the movie is oh. Will Ferrell and Napoleon Dynamite learning to do this impossible doubles trick. And yes. they're scared of doing it because they see footage from like the South Korean team attempting it. And one of them gets beheaded because it's so oh, complicated. No. It was such an awful. And so they showed the movie. It was one of those movies that they sh- everyone is watching. And the first time I watched it and no one else was watching. And then the second time they showed it again and my dad watched it. And at the point when the execution happened, my dad laughed so loudly in the whole plane. No one else was laughing. And it was really, really entertaining. That is, that is always a problem. I, I often find I'm a big crier and I often find myself crying on the plane, watching whatever I'm watching. That's always tricky. The person, person on the plane laughing or crying or just having a, bit of a time i always i think about the dangers of that like 
of someone getting decapitated every time uh, Virtue and Moyer do the kind of lift lifts. You know, the likes the you know what I mean. What is it called? Yeah. Kind of- <laughs> no, no, that's not what it's called. That's, that's, that's not technical. <laughs> but that is absolutely what it's called. And if you Google it, that's what it is. Um, it's 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 it's, like it's, the, it's it's the lifts where you know they have to be friends, you know. It's it's this fancy lift they do in their Moulin Rouge number that they ended up before before the um, Olympics, they ended up having to like shorten the part of it where they're in a particular position because the internet went a little crazy. Too sexy. I mean but there's it she flips and then her her skate sort of like passes by his face in a way that i'm just like and then he's just not gonna exist anymore no that's totally stressful yeah i don't i can't watch figure skating in general because of that yeah too dangerous it's too dangerous i think this is so on topic for eighth grade i'm glad we really (laughs) stayed on track I don't mind, but like, don't you get like when I listen to podcasts? Anytime the like the person on the podcast who's like, "Okay, guys, back to the topic." I always hate that person the most. So we hate Duncan. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's why I don't edit because I don't I don't like podcasts that are edited. They'll just turn it off. I don't care. Edited anything? Anything out? Yeah, sometimes. Did you edit out? Um, sometimes if there's like a really awkward, it's not so much if there's like off topic, whatever, but sometimes there'll be just like a really awkward pause where everybody runs out of things to say and it'll go on too long. And then it'll be like, so I'll sometimes cut that. Um, in interview podcasts, I often edit because what happens, I like, I put a very high premium on people telling me the truth. Um, so I like to sort of set it up in a way where it's very like, you can just tell me whatever. And then after the fact, you can be like, Hey, I will maybe get in trouble if you include that and I'll just take it out. I'm on your side. It's fine. So I ended up editing a lot of interview podcasts to take out the things that they said that are going to get them in trouble. It must be so tedious. Eh. (laughs) I mean, it depends. I had, I did one of, one of our Shakespeare podcasts, um, I always start with a synopsis and I made the mistake in this one of asking the other person to do the synopsis instead of just like reading a quick Wikipedia thing. And an hour and a half later, he finished describing the plot. And I was like, no. So I cut that shit down to like 20 minutes because I was like, this was boring and I'm just not putting it out there. What? Which play? Well, if I told you that, oh. then everyone would know which one it was, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> the person will know if he hears this one because yeah. he's like, well, I did that 90 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. He won't listen. It's fine. <laughs> I just kind of count on people. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to say some stuff. They're just not going to listen. It'll be fine. But back, back to the uh, film. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, 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 still, I still stand by my assertion that, that this is a funny film. This is a You're wrong. That, that's the darkness in your soul talking. There, Dark no, there, Make your there, argument. There are so many funny moments. Like, almost every moment with the dad, except for the couple heartfelt ones, is funny. Um, there are so many moments at school when, when, she gets, when she's talking to people, when she's talking to Aiden. All that stuff is hilarious. And yes, there are some heartfelt moments, but at the end of the day, like a lot of the interactions are just over the top silly. Um, I think maybe you didn't have enough acne and that's why you don't quite <laughs> understand the heartbreak of this movie. <laughs> like, what, like, what, no, what? I, I, I get you struggling, but at the end of the day, it's a dark comedy, right? I'm, I'm with you like 60%. I think it, a lot, there are many, many funny moments, but they're, they're very real. And that's why they're funny. It's not. Yeah, and they're 
funny because we're laughing at their expense. Like we're laughing at the awkwardness. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that's a funny movie. Yeah, but, we're un- we're laughing uncomfortably and then checking why are we laughing because we are laughing at her. the laugh for me. Yeah. yeah, no, I I would agree. I I think I couldn't. I would not call it a drama by any stretch. I would call, I would it. call it a dramedy, like all the great things in the world. Well, it was interesting because you know on Netflix you YouTube you not YouTube, you look it up and then it'll show you all the movies that it thinks you would like as well. A part mm-hmm. of it, and it was like a lot of those. I haven't watched them, but like a lot of these teen Netflix movies that all star that one man. Um, <laughs> Noah, no one's in Tino. <laughs> yeah. They all like he's on all the posters. So, so it's like this movie, which in my mind is quite dark and real. And my mm-hmm. understanding of those movies is. They're not bad movies, but it's more generic. They're nicer. They're nicer. And I yeah. feel like, so if it's, if they think people are watching eighth grade and watching those things, they're not watching eighth grade and being like traumatized. They're kind of, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's the Netflix algorithm. It's kind of part and parcel with this other stuff, maybe in a superficial it's- way. I think it's a combination of factors. One, you've got genre, right? Like this is the sort of movie that gets marketed towards women. So it's got that like sort of simplistic girl movie sheen to it that um, not in in, like just in the promotion and stuff like that. And Netflix will often give like it'll sort of lump things together um, based on sort of superficial things. And then I think there's also an element of like, trying to read what the target demographic is like is the target demographic of eighth grade eighth graders because if it is especially eighth graders two years ago when this came out they are very much into noah centineo movies so like you know eighth grade for them in terms of like there's probably two two types of viewers like people for whom this movie is about their life but the rest of the time after they've seen this they want to go back to watching what they would normally watch, which is like PS I love you. The, which was a delightful sequel to, to all the boys I've loved before, which is a great movie mm-hmm. starring Noah Centineo. Um, <laughs> but, or there's like people who like sort of dark dramedy things yeah. like eighth grade, but they're not, not as likely to watch a Noah Centineo movie. Although the three, I very much am. The three words that Netflix uses to describe eighth grade are offbeat, heartfelt and witty. Yeah. I would, okay, maybe. I would just say it's maybe the exact opposite of witty, and in being so, it is therefore witty. <laughs> I think the framing of it is witty. Like, the, yeah. the way it's put together. The characters are not. Witty. Its inherent ineloquence is witty. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. The, the tone is witty. It's deadpan a lot. Yeah. It was interesting because I, I randomly clicked on one of those movies and that was next to it, and it was this movie I'd never heard of from this year with. Um, Elle Fanning. No, oh, it's so bad. All the bright places. It looked bright. And I like skipped like every 15 minutes just to see what it looked like. And what it looked like to me was literally a like face tuned eighth grade because she was, but like she was kind of an outline if you like had this blonde hair and there was a dad who was Luke Wilson who looked the same. And I kept cutting to scenes that had like the same energy and they're in the same looking house and she's having a tough time at school and she reads a monologue at school. And it was like this, like, face-tuned very bad version of eighth grade Obviously, i could see the the face-tuned thing because that's like a very pretty movie it's about like a like a pretty girl who's having a hard time and it's just very willowy and just like you know a little misunderstood yeah. um but no that's a that's a 
brutal movie. It's got a lot more in common with like A Walk to Remember, which I love is not a brutal movie, but is not like a good movie. It's just the sort of movie that I saw when I was 12 and loved very much. Yeah. Um, All the Bright Plays is very bad, but they would, that's them, that's them trying to market. Yeah. No, eighth, it's like, trying to grab you, but it was trying to grab the, trying to grab specifically like the people eighth grade is a bit like they want, what's her name? Kayla. They want Kayla to watch all those Noah Centineo movies. Yeah. She'll like them because they're adorable. You actually see Kayla watching these movies, but it was just so interesting yeah. to see eighth grade as like the much more like documentary thing. And then all these things that are, that eighth grade is kind of about. Yeah. But yeah yeah like the characters in eighth, the, the, it's like a meta weird like this is what the characters in eighth grade would be watching like, but it's part of it is that like there isn't another movie like this really that I like was, you could put it next to and so netflix is like oh it kind of reminded me of a much sadder darker movie have you heard, seen it called welcome to the dollhouse no it's by todd salons who makes very dark American realist movies and it stars that one she, when she was like a teen remember the princess diaries remember her friend oh yeah, yeah. T- T- Maher Maher no Heather, Heather something <laughs> Heather something yeah I'm mixing her up with the girl from um, Napoleon Dynamite yeah okay. and so it's when she was like 13 so it's about a 13 year old girl My, not with the technology it's like 90s suburbia but the same kind of mold as Kayla and starts in the same way but instead of getting more hopeful is just darker and darker, but it's mm. the same kind of like horrible realism in a way. Well, what do you, what do you mean when you say like the same mold as Kayla? That's kind of what I find so interesting about this movie is that like, she's just, she's not that weird. Like she's just a normal, he's like so, so normal, mm-hmm. you know, well, like she's not super weird looking. She doesn't stand no. out in any way. She's just there. I would say in the same mold in that she is, framed as someone who's clearly feeling apart from basically everyone in her cohort. No one seems to really know who she is or be, or care about her. That's the sense that she has. Right. That's the sense that this character in Welcome to the Dollhouse has. It's very much about her like trying to reach out to people and reaching out often to the most inappropriate people, but Mm -hmm. like trying to make this connection happen. And there's a scene where she's invited to a pool party at a giant suburban house. And it also goes weirdly awry. Um, so in, to my and they're both like there's something like quirky, like superficially right. quirky about them. Right. Well, see, like I wouldn't even call her quirky. Is why you know, like, and that's almost that it, to get into like a little bit of criticism of this movie because it is just like a great movie, and so you don't want to pick it, pick it apart. But like yeah. something that I don't love about it, I don't know that actually fixing this would have made it a better movie though. So I don't know what I'm talking about, but. Um, it, what it's missing to me is the the grappling with the concept that like everyone feels that way. Mm-hmm. Like this movie's a little bit set up to say almost to suggest that like Kayla's the weird girl who doesn't fit in and everybody else is okay. And I think because it comes so strongly from her point of view, that makes sense because we do struggle with this idea that like, oh, I'm the only one struggling. Everybody else's life is perfect. But um, a mm-hmm. little bit more acknowledgement that like what's that girl's name like it was a mean girl kennedy. kennedy like oh my god that's such a like mean girl okay. name right but like it, like yeah. kennedy and aiden and like yeah. those people if they had some sort of inner life to suggest yeah. that like they were also not feeling super secure because that's the trick right like the coolest kid in class doesn't think they're the coolest kid in class or is like so obsessed with trying to stay the coolest kid in class that they're like tearing their hair out 
Um, yeah. that idea of like universality because like I was so much weirder than Kayla. Like Kayla is such a normal freaking girl, you know? <laughs> so like, let's try being like actually weird, you know? So it was one of the, like, there were no weirder kids in, uh, in eighth grade. It was like, Oh, Kayla's the weird one. <laughs> I would say her friend, her new friend may have was on that. Gabe. Level. Gabe is very weird. Yes. <laughs> and act, like active, like extrovertedly. But like, yes. it, doesn't, it, it doesn't hinder him from living his life. Well, I almost think his extra weirdness, that's almost the point though, right? Like if you're genuinely weird, like if you do actually stand out in a way Kayla doesn't really, you learn to your coping mechanisms earlier because you have to survival mechanism. So like for Gabe to get through elementary school, to even make it to middle school, he had to develop a way of like just not giving any fucks. So by the time he gets to middle school, he just gives no more fucks. And maybe yeah. Kayla is going through it now. And then when she's in high school, she won't give as many fucks. And Kennedy will go through the hell in high school. Yeah. You know, like, so like maybe that's it. I'm like the drama kids helping with the lockdown proceedings. Say that again. You moved something in front of your mic when you were talking. I'm like the drama kids helping with the lockdown proceedings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt that. Oh. Yep. <laughs> that was very, can we get any volunteers? Yep. <laughs> But, 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 but speaking of Gabe, at the end of the film, do you guys know? Like, this is this is one of the my favorite moments in the film is that she she puts some of the sauces in her box, oh, like some of some, oh. of some of some of his sauces when when they're eating together in her like in her like graduation box for the end of high school. Oh, I didn't notice that. And, that's cute we'll be gross and that will be gross but yeah (laughs) well no because mcdonald's doesn't decompose (laughs) (laughs) have you have you seen those videos those are the worst videos (laughs) like like supersize me sort of no no when people have like kept a burger for like 20 years and then eaten it Ew, why would they eat it? Ew, yeah. ew. Because because literally it doesn't decompose. Nothing it doesn't change. Like they kept it at room temperature out in, in on a shelf and it just Not stays. Twenty exactly years. The same. Yeah. Was it a, a hologram? Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're gonna be at. Wouldn't, oh, they, God. wouldn't they start to get stuff? In no, it? that that's the point. There are so many preservatives in it. <laughs> make it look the way it does that it just stays that way. But not 20 years. <laughs> like there, a year. One case of that one burger. But did he eat it? Did they eat yeah. it? No, uh, that's that's upsetting. Well, I really yeah, hate gross food stuff. Of a coat that he stopped wearing or something. Do yeah. they include like? Do those videos include like a follow up like 24 hours later? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember the scene in Super Size Me? Like he kept. It was one of the the through lines is he had a like a glass dome and he had a a burger and fries from McDonald's and a burger and fries from like a real restaurant and to see how long it took to decompose and the burger and fries from the restaurant was so gross that eventually he had to throw that out and then by the time he finished the documentary the McDonald's one hadn't even gotten any grosser so he had to throw it out he couldn't keep it long enough to see if anything would ever happen but again not. 20 years, David. Every time I say your name, I feel like Alexis. David. David. <laughs> hey, David. I'll, uh, I'll, David. Send you guys a, I'll send you guys a video and then you can revel. That's horrific. Oh, they showed us that movie in school. That's what we would did in the eighth grade. Ew. We watched horror. that in media studies. I don't know why. Why? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, this, ask Miss Hodgson. She'd know. This is a, a documentary. That's media. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it was might have been about like advertising or something. Like maybe it wasn't about filmmaking. Uh, I don't what, know. What his follow up? No, no, super size me. Uh, just like thought? why we watched it in media studies. I don't know. His, his, his thought? Careers or something? I can't remember. Gym class? Did we watch it in gym class? <laughs> oh, you mean like in health class? Yeah. No, like a gym. <laughs> his follow-up his follow was about um, like product placement in films. Oh. And, oh. And, and, he, and he got Palm Wonderful to pay him $2 million to like call the film the, the Palm Wonderful film. And he called it that? Yeah. Um, product placement, is, and especially Netflix, is ha- having like doing some really, really audacious deals where it's just like really yeah. obvious. Like speaking yeah. of the Noah Centineo movies, in the um, To All the Boys I Loved Before movies, there's this like weird subplot through line about how much they like Subway sandwiches. And her best friend will often like if she's not on campus to like help her solve her problem, it's because she had to like she had to go to Subway for lunch. <laughs> because they just like they're just like i don't know i'm split on it because i'm so aware of it that i don't feel like it's dangerous because you can't get like it doesn't make me want subway because i can see exactly what they're doing i do worry about people who like maybe don't know but i'm all for just like let's fund the movies why not i don't care i mean i think i agree that whatever it takes to get them made but i i i I feel like i'm with you in that i feel so aware of it that i think it's not working but the only way it's working is that they literally are just keeping themselves in the discourse. Like even now, Subway. Now we've talked about Subway. Now we've <laughs> talked about Subway. It, it, now, it, matter, it matters to me when, it's, when it becomes like part of the genesis of the film. Yeah. Like when it's like, how can I go to White Castle? You know, when it's like... The, the, but that's the, not product like, placement, right? That was like just genuinely a movie about White Castle. That's made it's it's not a <laughs> They couldn't have put White Castle in the movie. Yeah, but wouldn't it have been after the fact? Like, they knew they wanted to do this, and so then they contacted White Castle. I will say I did not know White, what White Castle was until I saw that movie. Yeah, we don't have White Castle here. So, like, I don't really – I still haven't even seen that movie, so I just only know of it really from that. It was fun. Um, but I do think that was, like a like, a thing. Like, in Life in a Box, tiny fringe musical – um, by Landon Doak and Matthew Finland, there's like a whole run about Tim Hortons, right? Like, yeah. and specifically about going to Tim Hortons to get food because they're high, right? Like, that's like what White Castle was in that movie. And it's not like they're sponsored by Tim Hortons and they put that in because of Tim Hortons. They put that in because that's what they, as human beings who live in Toronto, do when they're high. And then after the fact, if they were to make a Netflix series of it, which they should, Netflix, if you're listening. Um, yeah. you're not listening Netflix. That would be cool, though. I, I, think um, have, I think they might have cut out after we started critiquing. We're <laughs> still on the line. We would. Love- <laughs> if you're listening, I have some recommendations for you, Netflix. Um, but and then you can go to Tim Hortons and get a sponsorship deal because they get mentioned. <laughs> Um, I was watching Mixed Dish just this afternoon and they did an episode all about Earth Day and like, cause it's set in the eighties um, and like all about the, the, and then, so it ended with this montage voiceover thing about the, the initiatives that have been taken to improve the situation since the, of the climate since the eighties. Cause it was all about the ozone layer in the eighties. 
And um, one of the things she just throws in there very specifically is like companies like McDonald's have been helping us change the way we live. And they show like it switching over from styrofoam to the like cardboard Big Mac containers. And it was such an explicit like McDonald's paid me to talk about their Earth Day <laughs> initiatives yeah. that it was a little like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> We're noticing that it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's so interesting now because everything is like on lockdown. So you have all these new audacious ways to try and keep, they have try and keep stuff in our brain. Mm. So like celebrities are like Instagram living all the time and like doing, keeping their shows up with webcams and like all the ads now are like, we know you're at home away from COVID. You know, order a burger. And it's like, okay. Even like product placements for personalities. Like when you, when you see like a random cameo of a comedian in a film and you're like, that's so weird. Yeah. And then like two seconds later, Netflix is like, Hey, this comedian has a new special out. Yeah. You're like, Oh, so they've just been like, making like the rounds on other Netflix things. You know, what drives me crazy is when yeah. characters on a Netflix movie watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that bothers me so much. Yeah. At that point, it's like, good for you. Like, just <laughs> well, that's sort of like a Disney, right? Like they can just, they're so big at this point that they can just like promote themselves from within. <laughs> Actually, this is rel- This is a question I had about the movie. There was a lot in the movie that I was like, this must have cost What movie? Was, what movie? <laughs> we, don't have to, we don't have to talk about it. Virtually, <laughs> like, like they had the Enya song and they had all these like yes. the images. And I was like, is this allowed? How much yes. did, did they pay? How did they do that? Because the movie looks not expensive. But I don't think it's an un... I don't think it was like a totally off the grid. Like it wasn't like a Duplass film. Like I do no. think he had some funding. Yeah, Let's Google like it. All those, all those things combined to me suggest a lot of money. Like that Enya song alone is like the Enya song. But and like that. Enya hasn't been played in a movie in how long? Sorry, Enya, if you're listening. But, but uh, like how much would that actually be now? I don't know. I think like most of her songs would cost nothing. But I feel like that song, we just, I, I've known it that. It cost song. millions. It was a two, it was a two million dollar budget. Yeah. I so guess. if, I guess if you're, if, so most of those actors probably worked for scale. Um, it was shot all like on location. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there but would have been money. Like, like, does it cost money to show Instagram? Does it cost money to show Snapchat? That's a good question because you have you do have the people covering up the Apple logo on all of their. No, we um, saw the Apple logo on computers on her computer. I saw it. Well, okay, so no, when when you don't have product placement, you have to put that like little circle. Um, You know how in TV shows everyone's clearly using a Mac, but it doesn't have an Apple; it has a circle on the front. Was there a circle, not an Apple? It might have been, but sometimes if they can get furnishing by Apple then they get money for it as opposed to having to pay Apple money for it. Right. Um, Maybe so I don't know some of that stuff, but Instagram, I bet probably made be paid them, yeah. especially cause it's Bo Burnham who like was a specifically like a viral sensation. Maybe he has yeah. deals with those people. He's like a very, a non-corporate viral sensation, which is a strange uh, he's strange. I don't yeah. know. He was, I, I, I saw him like, I want to say like 10 years ago. I, yuck, Show yuck. No, 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 no. Real no. brag. This is no, really braggy. No, no, it's not. Because the, the thing, so, so this kind of ties back in eighth grade because the thing about him was he, he wasn't even the headliner. He was like a co-headliner with like a bunch of other touring people. Um, and all the other comedians had no idea what to do with him. 
Cause like, cause they were all doing their jokes and he came up with this like keyboard and he was doing these yeah. songs mm-hmm. and they were all just like, what is this? It was at a time when like nobody really understood why people liked this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really like his YouTube videos, but I love both of his specials. I think they're incredible. I think they're, he's so prepared. Like he, everything is rehearsed to like within a millisecond. It's so high energy. So, so much effort. I love effort. I'm so over this, like, oh, I didn't even try, like, cool kid nonsense. Just like, no, try. Yeah. Did the Yuck Yucks audience like him, David? Was he popular? Yeah, yeah, we had a great time. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, like, there was clearly a lot of people came to see him, right? Um, yeah. So, but it, but it, it's just, like, the, the general, like, he was in the wrong space. Like, yeah. that was not Yeah, where, I can't see yeah. him in a comedy club. Especially now, like, you can see the progression. 2013, when he was in, like, a small... It was a theater venue, though. So he was able to do, like, his lights. And he always has voiceover in his live work and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but then his... 2000, watching, sorry, what? His I started watching his special. I don't remember when. It was probably when it came out. And I turned it off. I didn't like it at all. He, it's It's alienating and there's like bits you have to that are you get halfway through the bit and you're like ah and if you wait till the end of the bit you'll be okay but in the middle you're like are you a bad person (laughs) it's tricky very very theatrical though like he knows like Mm -hmm. he's uh he's yeah he's as as you say he's, he's chiseled it his 2016 special is in a really big venue and it basically looks like a laser show at certain yeah. points. Like it's like a giant rock concert. Yeah. Like it's, everything is very choreographed and very multimedia. And like, he doesn't, I can't picture him. Like do what would audience, he do at Yuck Yucks? Do an audience like, work. Yeah. Like a brick wall with a microphone. Like just his only audience work I've ever seen is in one of his specials. He does this thing where he's like, I'm trying to work on my improv, so I'm trying to um, incorporate more audience work. And who so you? What's your name? And the guy's name is Rob. And then he does like a whole prepared bit where he just inserts the name Rob into an established (laughs) song. So maybe I'll give it another go. Yeah, and like stick, give him the benefit of the doubt. I think is the trick, especially also the first one. He's 22, so you do have to watch it, being like, okay. This is a 22-year-old straight white male. And just like kind of keep it in your head that that's what you're dealing with. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe the second, the second one is probably better. But you have that? to give him the benefit of the doubt. Just like go in and be like, I think he's a good person. Is he okay. acting stuff? Like does he, is he in things? He's like, he, I forget which uh, movie it was. But I saw a movie relatively recently where he plays like a version of himself. Uh-huh. He's like a comedian. It's a movie yeah. about comedians. The, you know? the, the thing directly after uh, the eighth grade, I think, was he directed the new Chris Rock special. Oh, oh interesting. I was wondering why that came up when I searched his name on Netflix. Oh. And I thought it was just like, here are some great comedians. Oh, there's that movie that's coming out where um, Carrie Mulligan um, takes all those men home and exposes them. <laughs> <her. laughs> yeah being rapists. Oh, fun. Have you heard of that movie? Uh, I feel like I've maybe seen, is it a trailer out? I feel like I've maybe seen. The trailer has the like violin version of Toxic by Britney Spears. Oh, yep. Yep. Have seen. Um, I could see him doing that. I feel like Bo Burnham is one of those people who is like very down for playing like the worst iterations of his demographic to sort of be like, yeah, I know guys. I do know. I just want you all to know that I know. (laughs) Sometimes it's the ones who try to tell you they know too much and you're like, they're the most. 
Sometimes, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna assume the worst of Bo Burnham because eighth grade is such a startling, empathetic display of just like I don't know. Yeah, it's I weird. don't know insight into a 13 year old girl. Like how? I think he's even like he probably doesn't even have a sister. Like how? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, he would have had a lot of research available to him in the sense there's so many of those videos to watch. Yes, but like he could watch the videos, but he couldn't know the, like what was happening behind the video. But in the sense of he was a YouTube star, he was very successful and good at it, but he knows the, like he probably knows a version of the mentality. Yes, of- but how did he know what it feels like to wear a, the bathing suit at the pool party? Or the panic attack in the bathroom when you're putting on the bathing suit at the pool party. I will like, tell you that is not gender specific. It I is know, though. I know he, he was also, I think he was a chubby kid, but like <laughs> still, it, it, you think yeah. it isn't gender specific, yeah, but no, it, it actually it, is. Like it's it, bad it, for everyone. It's worse it, for women. It is. It is. Like, mm, no, the pool party. <laughs> the pool party. And, the, and things like, like practicing on a banana and like all of that stuff. Like not that I t- but you know what I mean? Or like kissing her hand. Like, oh, that's all girl stuff. Like, I don't know. Maybe not the banana. Okay, Duncan. But like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's not. There like, was a lot of stuff that was very specific. Yeah. That I'm just like, how? Yeah. I think. The makeup tutorials. But no eye contact. That's what gets me. No one makes eye contact. They're always looking down or at their phones. It drives me crazy that part like it's so real yeah but that's not even that's one of the like when you say they're looking at their phones that sounds like it's like generational but like it's 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 an age thing the phone yeah it's the the phones gave them something to look at but we were all not looking at each other long before phones when she's reaming out the two girls at the end right she is looking down the entire time she never looks at them yeah yeah, the specificity. How tall is the girl who played Kayla? Because that's something that I found worked really well for, I mean, obviously for me specifically, is that she just like kind of literally didn't seem to fit in. Like she was like bigger than the other girls in her class. And that I think worked really well. Like when she's doing the group photo and she tries to get in the back and they make her stand in the front. Yeah. Like, ugh. if you ever tried to make me stand in the front in a group photo, I would murder you. Like you just okay. be and in the photo, it looks like she's like all their friends. Like it looks, if you saw the picture, you'd be like, oh, that girl must be a close friend to all those people. And it's, I just sure. like so much of the movie is about what you see on the phone and what you see the picture and then like just how horrible it is off behind the scenes. Yeah. The sequence at the very beginning where she gets up and does her makeup and then gets back in bed and takes the photo with the filter. And she's like, I woke up like this. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. But, like, if you think about it, like, this generation is dealing with, like, you post everything you do. So, like, when you wake up, you do a post. And, like, no one wants a, to show what they show look like when they wake up. So they pretend. Yeah. yeah. Also, well, just snap fat, Snapchat filters in general. And also new phones. I'm finding this with my iPhone. This is a XS. When I got it, I could tell right away that it has, like, the camera has an automatic filter on it. Yes. Like, it's not, it's not. And you can scale it, but it's automatically in the center. So there's always a bit of a wash. There's a bit of a wash. And like, if you're like in light, you're glowing in a way that yeah. people don't glow. And I, I love it, but it's not, real. it's not real. <laughs> oh my God. My little like 2013 phone doesn't do that. 
you're but you're getting the real life. yeah i would i would hold on to that as long as possible well you know i am but i'm not because i stand in the front hall and then i do the thing where i like kind of do this with my chin and then yes. i angle and then i go you know and like a selfie of me is not what i look like y'all know this <laughs> natural face imagine <laughs> Even though I like fully, I I don't even know how to use filters and things like that. But just from like an angle, like my, I always tell my mom always laments that she's not photogenic. And I always tell her it's good to not be photogenic because then no one's disappointed when they see you in person. Well, like. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Whereas like, I feel like everybody, like if you look at my face, like the photos I allow to exist on Facebook are just not what I look like. You're just wrong. If that's what you think I look like. I I think you're, you think it's not that different. I've seen those pictures. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that different. There's a photo of me and David that I only let exist in. It's on my wall, but it's also in, um, in, on my Facebook. And I only let it exist in super high contrast. (laughs) Because <laughs> there's something about the angles and the way my chin looks that if it only works in super high contrast, <laughs> I wouldn't worry too. Much. I think you're. you're, you're I have. What I'm friend, saying I is, I have one friend who I think looks like she looks like Marion Cotillard in life, but every selfie she takes of herself is like a ten times exaggerated version of what you're describing. Like she's gone close to her face and sucked in her cheeks and made a surprise face, and it's at a weird angle, and that's all the photographic <laughs> evidence that exists of her. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you? It's my. It, I think it really is a guys. Kind of, guys, look at this. I oh, it's all you shiny. Can't see, it. can't see it at all. Look at that's this. You, Kelly. You're so that's, that's you, <laughs> Kelly. Honey, that's you. Yeah. That's sure. that's a dysmorphia thing or dysphoria. I can't remember what the word is. But it's dysmor- it's dysmorphia. <laughs> I, think, I think dysphoria is something very very different. <laughs> <laughs> it all to me is under the same basic umbrella. But like, it's like you're 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 good. Anyway, my point is <laughs> that we all do it all the time whether we're not doing like the whether we're doing like the filters and all that stuff either and yeah. like this poor girl at 13 well exactly yeah and that was one of the one things when i thought about will 13 what do 13 year olds think because we always talk about how this generate that generation is like indoctrinated with this stuff in a way that they must be destroyed before they've even fully grown up but it also means that they have a fluency and understanding of it and a way to take advantage of it and like understand its limitations in a way that even we don't quite. And I would have been interested, this maybe is not the movie to do that ultimately, but a movie about how that, how they play that fluency to their advantage versus older people who are using it, this stuff almost as much as them sometimes, but not in the same way and not with the same, mm-hmm. like definitely not. as interesting. Like, yeah. These people are like cyber brains. Like they've grown up with it in a way that, they understand it like Mandarin. That's very true. And the the rise of Snapchat, I find really interesting because I feel like obviously there's like the element of nudes that, but that's not really what I'm talking about with yeah. Snapchat the, and the appeal of it. And then the move to stories, which was obviously a response to Snapchat yeah. did come from that generation being like, I don't want everything I post ever to be like for like I want to have that immediate feeling of like putting something out to my friends getting the likes getting the attention of that Mm -hmm. but then I don't want every single thing documented forever which is Mm -hmm. not something our generation which got it sort of like halfway through like Mm -hmm. I got Facebook in grade 11 um like we got it and then we were sort of so into it right away that we do have some like awkward phase where Mm -hmm. everything is 
documented. Um, but they were savvy enough being just that much younger that they were like, we don't want everything to be chronicled, but we still want the, like, uh, the endorphins of getting, um, the, the gratification, the instant gratification of posting. And so then you, that's where you got your like temporary things that disappear and all that kind of stuff. And that's why they're much more into that. It's like, I am a diehard Facebooker where I'm just like, here is my every thought and feeling and they will stay there forever until it comes (laughs) up in my memories 10 years saying, you said this 10 years ago and I delete it because it's embarrassing now. (laughs) And and, and that's, that's one of the, I think the ways in which this film is so great is, is just that like you, you get this moment, right. Where, where, where he's like, you know, show me some nudes and you see a lot of films that would go, you know, to her trying to do that for him. Right. But instead she's like, no, I'm great at blowjobs. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't do it. That is true. And that's one of the things that like, she is so like un unconfident. I don't know if that, uh, no, that, that's a word, but like, she does struggle so much, but then there are certain things where her sense of self is stronger than you would think. And like, she doesn't even try to send him news. She just fully just doesn't. Yeah. And then she puts her foot down with the guy in the car in a way that like actually makes him stop, which is very impressive. Um, and she does the karaoke. She tells the girl off. She even just going up to the girls in the first place or going to the party. I wouldn't have gone to that party. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Tessa's just like, nope. <laughs> No, I went to like three high school parties. It was miserable the whole time, and I just left. (laughs) And they were all like cast parties. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's most of us here. (laughs) Oh, shut up, David. We know it's not you. (laughs) They were. I don't think I ever went to a cast party with you, classics people. Well, no, we only went to. We had one that was like a joint Macbeth Sweet Charity party one time at Matt Paredes's house. Other than that, I was never at a cast party with you just because you're too young. You guys were there. We had a. We, he had multiple, but there was a joint Macbeth Sweet Charity party in his basement. Um, our Macbeth party was at David Armstrong's house. Was it? Yep. Oh yes. I just outed him because he just made a face like I wasn't supposed to say that, but it was like what twelve years ago. Relax, thirteen years ago. I I, I think we're past the point of of this being a recording. Those pictures exist on my Facebook. Those are because you said that. I think I'm gonna post all of it. I think if anyone made it this far. I get a reward. <laughs> just, just let them have it. Here's a nice tidbit for you for making it all the way to the end. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah, I'll give you my Criterion channel password. Like it just- <laughs> <laughs> you can like and subscribe. <laughs> um, okay, because I'm definitely keeping all of this in, does anybody have any final words about 8th grade? The really excellent but not very pleasant Bo Burnham movie. Excellent. Very glad I watched it. We'll likely never, ever watch it again. Thank fair. you for your service. Great. Very fair. Uh, I don't know. Good. Good. Quirky and funny. Um, I think, a, la- a laugh riot. I'd say it was a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think cuts, cuts to the heart of things while still kind of remaining authentic, which I think is, is a rare kind of thing to find line to walk. Sure. Some really <laughs> great performances, sometimes performances that were great in an almost theatrical way while being real. Like like her first monologue, like that's a really well-considered long take. Yeah. And it yeah. sets the tone and that's like, that is, oh, that's just great acting. That's what For, 
Perfect vernacular. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, the 29 year old. Yeah. That, perfectly very accurate, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gucci. Uh.